Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Welcome today to the Intentional Parents Podcast. I've got Phil here. Hi, Phil. Hello. And my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. Hey. Diane over here. Hi, Diane. Hello. And uh, we have Pastor Mark Strong with us today. Hi, Mark. Hello, hello. So glad to have you here. And I feel like I'm just getting to watch Phil and and Mark in their relationship of years past. Uh, so I feel like I need to just step out and let and let Phil you even right now just take a minute because uh, you guys have known each other for some time. So give us yeah. some of the history of this and start our conversation today, Phil. Well. Uh, I'm a little older than Mark, but I, I wish I'd known him a long time ago because I, when I first met him, I just say, I like this guy. And I think I first met you when you came to preach at Bridgetown. Yes. And you gave away your book to everybody there yeah. at Church for wow. the Fatherless. And, and I just loved hearing you. And I still, rem- mm-hmm. I still remember what you preached that night about when Jesus' baptism and the Father speaking yes. over him, this is my beloved son, and I was so moved, and I loved you the moment I heard you there, and I was so grateful that you were preaching at the church that my son was pastoring. And then, um, you know, some people you meet, and you say, oh, it's great to meet that person. Yeah. Other people yeah. you meet, and they're just like, I Synergy really wish I could life spend and, time yeah. with him. And, yeah. and, you know, not just because you're a basketball player. Actually, <laughs> we both were basketball players. Yeah. You better than me, but we're I getting older it, now. But anyway, and then yeah. uh, by the grace of God, our friend, Luis Palau, was, was scheduled to speak with you here mm-hmm. at your church, Life Change Church, on the east side of Portland, for a father training day, and uh, with his cancer and all, he wasn't able to do it, and asked me to step in, and so I got to spend a whole day here oh, with Mark, and, okay. and it was I got to hear him teach and eat food in his office yeah. and just get to know him better, good. and yeah. so he's just a man of God. And uh, just before we started the podcast, I asked him, how long have you been in Portland? And she said, since 1978. So for 42 years, he and his wife and family have served Jesus, and he uh, is uh, the lead pastor at Life Change Church. So he's he's a well-known and well-respected pastor here in greater Portland, but he also has a ministry far beyond the church Mm -hmm. with a capital C, even beyond the United States, and God's raised him up as a voice to our generation, a prophetic voice, really. Uh, yeah. Even well before the, the culture moment that we're in right now, God has been using him, and and uh, we're just honored that he could spend a little bit of time with us today. And so I think it'd be great for people to just hear a little bit about your family and your kids and your and your just your story a little bit. Okay. I mean, I, I know a little bit of it. You know, growing up, I think in Bellevue. And yeah. Just tell us a little bit yeah. about yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, before uh, we pelt you with questions, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> they're coming. Okay, a little bit about myself. Well, um, I was actually I was born in Portland. Uh, but at okay. the tender age of uh, maybe 12, 16 months and some change, <laughs> <laughs> uh, our family moved to Washington and we kind of stayed there until I was almost about 16 years old. So I grew up in Bellevue, Washington, Okay, uh, went to grade school there, junior high school, uh, would have started the first year of high school. But then my father um, uh, 
bought some property, moved back here to Portland, and so we've been here ever, um, ever since. Um, wow. So, but it was uh, Portland was always kind of like home because uh, both my grandparents, on my mom's side, my dad's side, live here in Portland. Uh, my cousins live in Portland, so basically hmm. our uh, Easter vacation, Christmas vacation, Thanksgiving vacation, <laughs> uh, Valentine's Day, uh, Veterans Day, you know, we're jumping in the car, excuse. any excuse, and we're hitting I-5 South, come from Seattle to, uh, Seattle to Portland and just spending time hmm. with the family, and my mom tells these horror stories, she goes, you guys are terrible because we, you know, we loved our grandmother so much, we never wanted to leave, and so my mom says, yeah, you know, it, it took me about a week and a half to get you guys back to normal, yes. you because know, we cried, yes. and, and you know, hide shoes and stick your feet out the window, I don't want to go back home, I want to stay with grandma, you know, so. Hide your shoes, my kids have not tried <laughs> that's that. That's a good idea, idea. don't that's let them listen good, to this. Yeah. But it doesn't work, it doesn't yeah. work. They always, just put always, you in the car. Just let you go barefoot. If you don't, if you don't uh, just find the shoe soon enough you just uh you have one shoe you know so that's not gonna be too cool so you know so i've always been kind of connected to portland so we came uh moved back and uh i grew up in church you know I grew up in church uh mom used to drag us you know uh, with ball and chain every sunday uh which was kind of <laughs> torturous to kind of get there but you know she five of us so i had uh four five. uh two brothers two sisters was five kids wow and my dad never went to church Okay. But she would make sure that we were there. Uh, Isn't that funny? They, your dad made sure you're there, but he wouldn't go. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, interesting. We, we, we'd get there, and and um, you know, my heart was always kind of tender to the Lord, but I never really, uh, you know, I'd made a, I'd made a, a confession for Christ, but I never really walked it. Never really walked hmm. it out. It was more kind of a an emotional type of thing. So, growing up, coming here, uh, moving to Portland, going to Jefferson High School. Uh, you know, a couple years there. Once I graduated, um, I, br I have a brother named David who's like a practical joker. So he's always, <laughs> I guess that, that must just run the strong family. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, my wife, my wife always says, don't believe him unless he's in the pulpit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if, he's not, if he's not in the pulpit, don't believe him. Don't, don't believe him. him, you know. So, uh, so my, we graduated from high school and uh, my brother calls me one day and he says, Mark, he says, uh, uh, Daryl just passed away. And I'm like, David, you don't play games like that. You don't play jokes like people pass away. He says, no, 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 he really passed away. And see, Daryl was a good friend of mine in hmm. uh, high school. Basketball player, didn't do drugs. In fact, he was. Uh, what had happened was they had finished a basketball game uh, uh, at the college he was playing for. He came home, we sat down in the chair, had a massive heart attack, and he passed away. Wow. So when that happened, that just totally, literally just rocked my world because I realized I didn't have any answer for life. I didn't have any answer for death. And so I just started kind of scraping. And so, you know, you're scraping trying to find something, you know, all those days of going to Sunday school and going to church, you know, that that foundation starts to try, starts to resurface. But I still didn't have any intention of just really mm -hmm. trying to commit to the Christ. So um, uh, I went to, we, my brothers and I, we go to church about maybe two or three times a year just to buy some silence. Make your mom happy. And my grandmother, she was, she was the worst. She's like, when are you coming to church? When are you coming to church? You can go to the house. You know, you th uh, you know, Thanksgiving, you couldn't eat the eating the pumpkin pie without making a commitment to go to church. No, it, wasn't, it, wasn't quite, it wasn't quite that bad, though. So uh, she's like, okay, you got to eat. You, you, when you come to church, when you come to church. I said, okay, Grandma, we're going to come to church. I'm going to come to church on Christmas. I'm coming to church on Christmas. We're going to be there. So Christmas rolls around. 
Um, it was uh, that Sunday, prior to that Sunday, well, Saturday night, me and my brothers, we, we had been out partying all night long. We had been oh. out to about like four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And so we were so we were so dead tired. You know, I was I was about I was about eight, about eighteen and a half at the time. So no, I was nineteen. So I cut. We we come back home. I'm I'm tired. I've got the same clothes. You know, we've been in the clubs with all night. I mean, we're just exhausted. I'm laying on the. I don't even think we've gotten to bed. I'm on the couch. My brother's on the other couch, and I don't know if my little brother's on the floor. I mean, we're just totally wiped <laughs> out, right? And so here comes mom at like at at uh, nine o'clock in the morning. Hey, you guys, get up. You told your grandmother you're going to church. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Mom, you know, we're tired. We're tired. No, you told your grandmother you're going to church. Now, there's only so much pushback you can do to your mother, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she said, you said you're going to go and that kind of thing. So she's putting guilt on us and then compounding with grandma. So uh, I got to get through this quick. I'm taking too much time. No, no, no. No, we got time. So, uh, so uh, we we go to church. I don't. I think we just, we didn't even change clothes, right? <laughs> we probably just slapped a little water on the face. I don't know if the toothbrush made it to the mouth or not, but we, <laughs> we, 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 got, we got to church. And so uh, back in those days, church would... It last. It would last one hour, sixty mm. minutes. You know, at sixty minutes, you were done from eleven o'clock to twelve. And we had those hard wooden pews, oh. and they were just—they were like just tortured, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we were sitting in those pews, and and I mean, it was just—it was—it was grueling. So they're singing these songs, you know, they're playing the, the piano, bring it in, the sheave, bring it in. And in my mind, I'm like, what the heck is a sheave? I don't even know what a sheave, I don't even know what a sheave is, you know, you're thinking, bring in the sheave. I'm like, I'm like, man, I want something funky, man. Give me some bass and some guitars and some drums and that kind of thing. And then the preacher gets up, he starts talking, you know, and it's just, yeah. it's just absolutely quiet in there. I mean, I would say it was so quiet in that church. You could hear the mouse playing dominoes in the corner. You know, yeah. it, was just, it was just like absolutely quiet. So it's going, it's going. So finally, I mean, it was just like that was like the longest hour in the world. So finally, uh, I get some hope because it's. I look at the clock and it's eleven fifty-five, right? Mm -hmm. So at eleven fifty-five, lo and behold, my aunt walks the door. So she's a uh, she was over. She lived in Germany in Europe because she sang opera over there, right? Okay. Love the Lord. So she comes to the door. I'm like, oh no, this is not a. I was glad to see my aunt, but I said this is not a good situation. <laughs> I said she's going to add another half an hour to this service. I know it's going. I know exactly what's going to happen. She's going to She's going to come in. The pastor's going to recognize her. <laughs> and she's gonna he's gonna say, Oh Gail, come and greet everybody. She's gonna start greeting everybody. She's gonna start crying. Oh, I miss you, Mrs. Smith. Oh, I miss you, Mrs. Jones. I'm like, oh, that's cool, but just you know, I'm like, whatever the guy was, please release me. Let me go, you know? So she, so she gets up there and she starts, she starts greeting everybody, and then she starts bawling. And me and my brother's like, we've been around this block so many times, like, oh gosh, man, just let us let us get out of here. Let us get out of here. And so uh, in my mind, I'm like, okay, you, it's not going to happen that quick. You know they're going to ask her to sing a song. <laughs> She's going to sing. And, I mean, we grew up hearing her, nay, da, da, da. I mean, we, you know, all yeah, the practice, yeah. that kind of thing. So sure enough, she gets through green and she gets to walk down the path. goes, oh, no, 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 Gail, you got to sing. Now, <laughs> Bringing in the sheaves was bad enough, right? But now you're going oper operatic gospel song on me? I mean, that's just too much. It's just too much to be able to bear. So anyway, she starts singing this opera gospel song. I can't tell you, I can't tell you what the song was yeah. she was singing, you know. 
like, like that old song, Killing Me Softly with this song. I prayed that she would finish, but she just kept right on, right? <laughs> so about halfway through the song, halfway through the song, by nature, I'm an introvert. You know, I, I, you know, mm. I'm, I, I like being by myself. Mm. I don't like being around, you know, I can do crowds, but I, I just do yeah. better by myself. Elizabeth you know, knows I, exactly I, what yeah. you're talking about. I mean, Speaking I love my it, language. You know, I, I just, you know, sometimes people say, man, this COVID, you know, uh, isolation is hard. It's not hard for me at all. <laughs> <laughs> you and my wife would get along great. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not hard. It's not hard for me at all. So she's singing and all of a sudden I'm, I'm standing on my feet. I just stood up hmm. and I'm weeping. I'm crying. And the next thing I know, out of my mouth, I hear, God, if you want me, you can have me. And my two <laughs> brothers sitting over there and they're looking at me, they're like, man, Mark is tripping. He's <laughs> tripping. What is he doing? And I mean, wherever that came from, however that cry was produced in my heart, it was the Spirit of God. Yeah. I was serious. I, I, oh. I mean, I, I was serious. I said, God, if you want me, you can have me. And from that moment, you know, my life radically changed. And, uh, you know, I start following Jesus with, you know, with all everything I, with everything that was in me, oh. you know, a passion for his word, a passion for prayer. I mean, that's another whole story going all that. But, uh, you know, t years went by. And finally, I was uh, I, I used to do a Bible study at Portland Community College. Hmm. And so when I first when I, when I give my life to Christ, you know, I just kind of you know, didn't have any girlfriends for a while. And I just, mm -hmm. you know, I just cut all that stuff out. I said, I want to try to seek the Lord. And, and I just, you know, I wanted to be right. You know, I didn't yeah. want to yeah. try to be like I was before. So I wanted to be right. And so I'm teaching this Bible study at uh, um, uh, Portland Community College. And this young lady walks in and I'm talking and I'm saying, and Jesus said, and Jesus said, and when I saw her walk down the, uh, walking down the aisle to come to sit in the circle, I go, and Jesus said, and Jesus said, and Jesus said, and Jesus, <laughs> my buddy's like, man, spit it out. I'm like, uh, Jesus said her, right? No, no. <laughs> so anyway, so that's my wife, Marl. So, we, you know, we, we, uh, we met in college. We've been, uh, oh. we ended up getting married. We've been married for, um, 33 years. Oh, we have, uh, four kids. Everybody's with the name with the M. Uh, I had no cloud over, no uh, authority over that. Right? <laughs> what she says goes. So we have Micah, Michelle, Mackenzie, and uh, and Miles. Oh, and beautiful. so then I've, we've been pastoring here uh, at the church. We've been pastoring here for thirty three years at, at Life Change as well too. Wow, yeah. something there I never wanted to do. I never wanted to be a pastor. I always wanted to be an evangelist. And I never, you know, for me, you know, when you say, hey, Mark, you one day you'll pastor a church. Those are almost like fighting words. I mean, I'm not going to fight, but they're like fighting words. <laughs> yeah. My wife, I, I, would tell, I would tell her, I said, honey, I'm called to be an evangelist. I am an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. So we were in, we were in New York doing a, uh, uh, a revival meeting. And uh, I was getting dressed. And she goes, well, honey, when, when we start to pastor, what's going to kind of be my responsibility? What will I do? And I said, I said, hey, we've talked about this so many times. I told you, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I told you that. Well, we get home and two weeks later, we're pastoring a church, and we've been doing it ever since. So anyway, uh, that's the, yeah. I feel like your story, I literally just want to applaud. That was just the most amazing, amazing way to share your story. Uh, so the first question that comes to my mind, so 33 years, so did you start this church or, or what was kind of the story there? Okay, I, d I didn't start the church. Okay. So uh, it, when we started, it was like it was a dying church. Okay. And even when uh, they installed me as pastor, my plan was 
I'm going to finish up seminary. I had two more years of seminary to go. Mm -hmm. So I said, when I'm done with seminary, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, but I never could find the door. <laughs> and you still haven't found that it. That door just kept moving here and there, you know. So. Yeah. And there's years. hundreds and thousands of people that are glad you didn't find the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just listening to your story, you said, all of a sudden you stand up, God, if you want me, you can have me. Yeah. And that changed the entire direction of your life oh. and your kids' lives. Oh, yes. So now they're raised in a home with a father. Yes. Who didn't leave, who yes. was there, yes. loving his kids, not perfectly, right? Because you and right. I both know there's only one perfect father our exactly. father who is in heaven right yeah and yet uh with a marriage that's got jesus in the center and and so it's just so good to remember where you know this podcast is bringing hope and help to parents especially young parents all over the world that really it starts with you saying god if you want me you can have me yeah, yeah. i'm going to be a father who follows jesus and and your wife saying i'm going to be a woman of god who follows jesus and jesus is going to be in the center of our marriage and we want to raise our kids to grow up to love him with all their heart yes. and and to love their neighbor as their, as herself, as Jesus said. And so you've done that, and so you have a lot of authority and to speak uh, today. And and we want to talk about you know fatherlessness and talk about the cultural moment we're in and ask you some questions. But sure. so glad that you know people could just get to to know you because I I didn't know any of that about you, <laughs> yeah. you know. And yeah, uh, and just to 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 see what God has done in your life is so good to know that Jesus came to seek and to save that which yes, was lost. You know, thank yeah. you, Lord. And yeah. He did that in your case. And, yeah. well, and and I just had I had one question. So you mentioned something at the beginning about your dad, you know, yeah. and I know that you have a ministry uh, for fathers and fatherlessness, yeah. and I, that that's really something we we want to cue in in a minute. But I, I'm just curious, what was your relationship like with your dad, or what was dad like in your home growing up? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, my dad wasn't a, a believer, but I had a great dad. I mm. still, I have a great dad. Yeah, and I mean, just you know, he's a loving father, mm. a giving father, uh, a goof off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where probably, the boys got it. That's probably where we got we got it from, you know. And he was always, you know, he was always always present. So, mm. you know, we I know sometimes we talk we do our father meetings, you know, people ask me say, "Well, how was your dad your your father's situation?" But, you know, I grew up with a, you know, grew up with a with a good dad. I mean, he's mm. since given his heart, you know, and his life to oh, the Lord, wow. you know. But uh, yeah, he's. I had. A, I have a great dad, mm, and I had wonderful. a great grandfather, great uncle. So I mean, all the men in my life yeah. have, have been have been present, uh, have been on point, and just uh, uh, just a great gift. Yeah. And where did the ministry for fathers kind of emerge? And I know we're going to kind of weave in and out of this, but where did that come for you from for you? And when did that start? Right here in this building. Interesting. So I, I had I had kind of known it. Uh, let's see what's the word I can use here. Just kind of intuitively, mm -hmm. there was a problem, right? So when we had bought this building, it was like just a dilapidated store, you know, where you fear even to walk in here. You know, it was just, <laughs> just like you'll get hey. some disease or something, <laughs> or disease or some varmint might run over your yep, foot or yep, something like yep, that. Wow. So, so we're 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 in this building, just a handful of us, probably about maybe twenty twenty five people, leaders. So we had hmm. black, white. Hispanic uh, from ages 20 to about 60 or 70. And so we, uh, we're praying, Lord, help us to be able to uh, have the resource to get the building done, let this property be used for your glory, and so forth. And so while we're praying, I just kind of lifted my head up and I looked around the circle and it was almost kind of like an, 
you know, an epiphany. And it was like I just heard the voice of God just speaking, you know, volumes to me. But as I looked around the circle, I just uh, just kept hearing this. I, I looked around this person because I knew him. No father, no father, no father, bad father, absent father. And as I went around that circle, and I had never tied all that together before. As I looked around that circle, probably 80% of the people in that circle either had no father present in their life. They were either raised with a bad father or there was a father who was uh, in their life like a revolving door. Hmm. And so at the time I was doing my doctoral studies at George Fox and I was, I was actually like about two thirds through my paper in my research on how do you raise up uh, leaders in inner city context. And I just felt at that moment, the Lord was like, you've got to change your focus and change what, you, what you're going to do. Wow. So I went back to my advisor. I said, hey, listen, I want to change uh, my, my focus and change my study. Because I've, I've, I've lived it experientially, but now I want to be able to kind of get the data and, and study the theology to go along with it. He's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> He's like, you made, you made too much progress. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, I'm like, I don't have any choice. I don't have a choice. Yeah, but I, I mean, it was so it. clear. I'm like, okay, God, all this extra work. But it's, I think the Lord just, you know, just kind of kind of gave me a heart for that, you know, hmm. uh, just by virtue of serving and mm -hmm. just kind of opening my eyes to what's around me. And then as I study the scriptures, you know, that that uh, that need for a father and the role of a father is so very, very important. You know? mm. And it's, you know, I think one of the, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, my earlier days, if I, if I was preaching, I would, you know, you might do a sermon on John 10, 10. Yeah. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know? <laughs> and, and, you, and you kind of get people out of all that. But one of the ways that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy is the removal or the absence or the misfunction of a father wow. in the home. That leads to, or can lead to, generations of devastation and adverse impact in the lives of kids wow what wow. you so you know we were going to get into this a little later but maybe we'll just get into it now because that's so powerful you know when i was when we were preparing our intentional parents ministry you know which didn't even get launched until i don't know seven years ago uh, and we, I, I tried to find every verse I could in the Bible that had anything to do with fathering, parenting, raising kids, and I found a ton of them. Yeah. And, but you know how the Bible writes, the riches are unsearchable. You <laughs> yeah. say, how did I miss that? How did I miss I that? I know, yeah. And this godly woman in our church sat through it, and she said, the whole time you were speaking, I was reminded of Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and I looked it up. I go, how did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know this, the Old yeah. Testament yes. ends, the very end of the Old Testament ends with, behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Yeah. Talking about the coming of Christ, you know, what we would call the end of this age and beginning of the age to come. And you think, and I would think as an evangelist, I'm like you, like, yeah. I, you know, I want to see people saved. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, and he's going to give people one last opportunity to confess Jesus as Savior, but it doesn't. It says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Yeah. And I had to ask some people smarter than me like you, like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And what I learned was that when fathers don't fulfill their role, right. and when we start redefining the family, or and the family falls apart, 
the the nation falls yes. apart yes. because yes. it's literally the very fabric of society the way God designed it way back in Genesis to yeah. Adam and Eve be fruitful and multiply, and so um, you've been raised up as a voice to the world really, and you know here we are in in the inner city and. You know, this is a podcast, so people can't see you, but obviously yeah. you're African-American. They can yeah. hear your cool voice, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and you've raised kids, but you have a heart for the fatherless. And, and we look at this cultural moment, and I have to say there's this is just part of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I've learned from you is there's the father piece, there's the injustice that is real, but there's also the demonic piece that's yes. going in, the thief yes. that comes to steal. And could you just talk to us a little bit about yes, that? Yes, I'd love to and, know about that. And yeah. uh, how you know, we want to help parents raise kids we want fathers to understand how important their role is, yeah. but we also want uh, parents to know how to raise kids to realize it is a war out there. Yeah. You know, so any thoughts yeah. you have? Yeah, I, I think um, you know sometimes, and, and I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this too. So one of my favorite prayer scriptures is First uh, uh, Peter five, where you know Peter says, hum, "You know, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God." that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon mm-hmm. him because he cares for you. Mm. But then he says, be sober and be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, resist him standing firm in the faith, knowing the same afflictions accomplishing your brethren throughout the world. And so what Peter's reminding us, he says, God is a reality and we are to walk live the right way before him which is in humility but also remember that you do have an adversary and i think sometimes that you know the enemy's been the devil's been you know uh characterized as a cartoon character mm-hmm. um you know especially in our culture you know we want to place all the responsibility on us on ourselves we rise and we fall uh, and that type of thing, and and there, there's 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 truth to that. There's human responsibility, mm. but I think at the same time we do have to remember that there is a an adversary that uh, who whose intentions are not good for humanity, mm. and and what he does is he uses you know the the cracks, the sin, mm-hmm. the brokenness of our humanity to exploit us to make our situation even more worse and more um, adverse. And so I think it's important for us to, to um, really understand that, 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 is a, that, that, that that's a real warfare and it's a real battle. And so when a person's talking about a father you know, being present and a father uh, fulfilling their God-given roles, responsibilities in a household, you you have to understand that that is that's going to be it's going to be resisted. Mm-hmm. I know there's times when, when uh, the first uh, the first fathership conference that we had ever that we ever did um, uh, pr- about a day before it happened, I started getting a pain in my back. I'm like, what's I'm like, what's 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 going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, this doesn't feel. And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Come to find out, I had kidney stones. Oh. And so, oh, and so the conference is starting. I'm in such agony. I'm sleeping on the floor. I'm sleeping on the steps, trying to get trying to get comfortable, you know. And uh, oh. you know, I, I'm not a guy that's you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself spooky, but I, I'm laid on the floor. It's about three o'clock in the morning. I'm in. I'm writhing in pain, and I just hear this little thing in my head that says, "Okay." You want to do a father shift conference, huh? You want to do a conference on fathers, huh? 
And I'm just like, I'm not paying no attention to that. So you're going to kick like this. You know, you got to, you got to know my mom, you know, my mom, she, <laughs> she is a tiger. She, she's a love woman. She is a bulldog. <laughs> the things of God. I mean, she's just not gonna, she's not gonna take it. And so I said, mom, you know what? I said, I, I was, uh, the, the night of the conference before we, the, the, the night prior to the conference, I'm laying on the floor and I had to thought in my mind. And I said, uh, you know, some said, well, you want to do this fellowship conference, huh? And I said, Mom, the pain was so bad, I'm hearing this voice. And she goes, that's the devil speaking to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She says, well, what did you tell him? I said, as much pain as I was in, Mom, I didn't tell him nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, she goes, well, you should have told him, yes, you go, yes, I'm, yes, I'm going to do it. But my, my point is this, my point is this, and, you know, that could have just been a natural occurrence, but even something like that that's going to address, help, empower men to be better, fathers be better dads hmm. if something like that is resisted on that kind of level how much more is a dad who uh is ambition desire to be present to be uh alert to be the man that god wants to be in his family how much more is that going to be resisted exactly. and i yeah. think we have to understand that that is a real reality mm -hmm. uh that that we have to combat yeah, there's an older guy in our church uh, who he's a really interesting guy. He sends out these emails, you know, quoting C.S. Lewis, but he gets up every morning and he, he says, the father is the protection over his family. Hmm. And he's just so passionate about this. He gets up and he said, and I pray over my wife and I pray over my daughter. And he, he's, he says to us, you need to be telling fathers yeah. that they have this they're representing God the Father to their kids, and they have yeah. this protection role. And, of course, the mom does as well. I mean, yeah. probably you standing up and saying, God, if you want me, you can have me. You sound like your fierce <laughs> yeah. mom afraid of you. You stand up and say exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. But I just feel like, uh, you know, like I'm like you. I had a good father. He believed in God, but I, he, he wasn't saved. And I baptized him when he was 67, oh, awesome. and he lived to 77, and it was a beautiful—but I had a that's, good that's father. Awesome. He was yeah. there. He was present. He helped me with my algebra, which I never could understand, yeah. and coached me in Little League, you know. And so when you have a present father— uh, you don't even realize till later. I'm gonna start yeah. crying right now, just missing him. You know, yeah. the, just the presence of him uh, was so powerful. And so, um, you know, I just think to all the dads listening, your role is so, so, so important. And, yes. and you're just, you know, confirming that for us. Yeah. You know, I think we see a lot just in our generation of of dads who maybe their intention is to be a good father or they're aware that they want to be involved in their kids' lives, but so often they had, like you talked about, an absent father, a father that wasn't there at all, or a really bad father. And I think when they hear how important their role is, sometimes it can shut them down and defeat them, yeah. or they just feel like, well, I don't know how to do that. And I think so often for us moms, we have all this like intuition of how to respond to our kids and love our kids. Not that we know how to do it perfectly, but maybe it comes a little bit more naturally. But I think there are a lot of dads where they, especially when their kids are little, they're like, well, I don't really connect with my little one-year-old who can't talk to me. How do I be a good dad to her? Yeah. So I think what we see a lot is just dads not knowing what to do. Yeah. So what would you say to the dad who maybe that's like they see that there's a need, they have kids, they want to be a good dad, but they have no idea how. Like they hear how important the role is, but they're like, okay, but what does that mean? What do I do with my one-year-old, two-year-old, 10-year-old? 
where would you have them start? What does it look like to be a present and not just a present father, but a good father? Yeah, I think the things about guys, I mean, can't put everybody in the same box, but 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 most guys, whatever they do, <laughs> they kind of want to be an expert at it. Or, yeah. at least, <laughs> or at least be an expert in their own mind, you know? <laughs> yeah. In our own minds, we want to be. Spoken like a true man. You know, yep. we want to be an expert. So if it's, if it's working on cars, if it's a golf swing, you know, if it's, yeah. if it's shooting a jump shot, shot, if it's fly fishing, if it's, yeah. if it's computers, I mean, we, we want to know, yeah. you know, how, how, you know, how you do that. And, and, and we put pressure on ourselves, you know, to be able to become competent. I, I think that, and, and it can be overwhelming for a young dad. I remember yeah. hmm. uh, we've have a couple of the young, younger guys in our church, um, uh, I'm thinking of grew up didn't grow up with a father. Yeah. And so when they had when their when their wives were about to have the babies, they were like spazzing out. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I'm like, I'm like, bro, what's wrong with you? You know, twitch up like are you using drugs or something, man? What are you doing here? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, what's going on, dude? And he's like, he's like, Pastor Mark. He's like, I don't know nothing, I don't know nothing about this. Hmm. You know, my 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 dad, my dad was never around me. He wasn't there. I don't even know. I don't even know who he was. My mom's not even sure which guy was really my was my father. Pastor Mark, my dad, he's just he 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 he's he was nowhere to be seen. And so this, you know, all this pressure hmm. that, you know, a young father can feel, you hmm. know, just to want to do a good job and to be the best dad you can be, especially you know, when when you're, uh, the handoff to you was, you know, you had to pick the baton up off the track mm-hmm. um, and you had basically had to go try to find it and you don't have a clue. There's no kind of history. There's right. no kind of reference. It puts a lot of pressure on you. But what I, what I like to say to you is this, don't worry so much about what you've got to do, but just worry about what you've got to be, right? Okay. And so if you can worry about what you got to be, so Pastor Mark, what, what, what do I got to be? First thing is just be the dude that Jesus wants you to be, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you focus hard on being who Jesus wants you to be, and I mean, you're seriously doing that, the spirit of God is going to help you. You know, know? when you're you're blowing it, when you're doing it wrong, he's going to let you know. I remember uh, there was a time uh, when my daughters were, I'd say, let's see, Michelle was probably in uh, maybe the first grade, right? And my schedule was crazy, and I was I was traveling a ton. I was going here and going there and going here and going there, and and the Lord knew my heart to be a good dad. And so I'm driving her to school, right? And I and I I'm saying I said, hey, I say okay. I call her uh, I just call her Sweet Pumpkin. I said, okay, Sweet Pumpkin. Uh, uh, I'm gonna uh, Dad's gonna see you later because I gotta uh, fly out of town. I'm going somewhere to to speak. And this little this little first grader turns around with these big brown eyes and looks at me. She goes. Don't you ever know how to tell anybody no? <laughs> you know, and I, and I mean, it just, it, it just, it unnerved me. And I knew, I knew it wasn't her because she doesn't, she doesn't talk like that. Yeah. Don't you know how to tell anybody no? But what was happening was my schedule was starting to get the best of me. Hmm. And she was starting to lack, you know, and, and she was like, I mm. need my dad. So my point is this, if you just be the guy 
the guy wants you to be. He know whether he speaks to you through your first grader, or whether <laughs> a scripture comes, or whether you're listening to a a podcast. Yeah. God's gonna let you know what you need to do. So 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 be be the guy that God wants you to be, and then be present for your kids. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I still fight this battle. There's all there's always so many things that are clamoring to try to pull you pull you away or pull your attention. You gotta set the time so you can be present with your kids. You gotta set the time so you can be present with your family. And not just in not just in body only, but have your head in the game, have your yes. emotions in the game, have your yes. thoughts in the game. You know, sometimes I'll be sitting there, my wife's like, okay, where are you at? Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, did you hear I just said, uh, 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 Dad, are, are you listening to me, Dad? Uh, I am, you know. She'll, think, so, okay, she'll say to me, she goes, did, <laughs> yeah. did I just lose you? I'll did just I, stop talking. Did I lose you? Are you listening? Like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, you know, you hear people That's say, huge. you know, well, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but my time with my kid is quality time. Yeah. So, and you know, you need yes. both. You need quality both. time, yes. but quality yeah. time. Yeah. But you got to gear up to get it. Like yeah. right now in our stage of life, I got to like prepare, like coming home. I'm like, yeah. maybe I'm going to take a 20 minute walk before walking in the door because I got to put all the work stuff aside yeah. to be able to like come in and like, I got to, I, I know for me personally, I, if I just walk through the door and have just that, had that transition from a full day of work into kids, I'm like, you know, there are questions and here, look at what I did today and I need it. And then all and at the, once, all at once. Yeah. 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 And it's beautiful, but it's like, man, you got to gear up for that. Yeah. You know, it reminds yeah. me of uh, listening to a, uh, teaching by Dr. Howard Hendricks, who oh, was a sure, professor yeah. at, at Dallas Seminary, hilariously funny guy. But, you know, things stick with you. And he yeah. and he was, you know, talking about, he had this really good, see, you need to go, you know, and he <laughs> was saying, when you go home, you need to be home. And he said, I crossed this bridge oh, he told me on that. my way from the seminary home. And every time I throw my briefcase in the river, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> and then I pick it up the next morning. And yeah, that that's, was a, that's a thing yeah. he did Mentally, to say, yeah. And you know, in, in the Old Testament, it says David went home to bless his family. Yes. So, so we need to do that. So. Wow. And you know, so we're talking about fatherlessness, and this is such obviously, and being an, an intentional father. One of the questions I have uh, for you, Mark, in this season, and, and particularly the time that we're finding ourselves in, yeah. how much do you see the fatherlessness piece playing into the current time? We had COVID. We've had this, uh, obviously, there's racial injustice has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, but there's a particular uptick in the in, in our culture, as we all know. What is your take on this? I'd love to just know your opinion, and, and not just your opinion, but you, you know, you have so much experience in this, and you've been walking through this uh, with your own children and and yourself. And so, yeah, give us your perspective and your heart. On so you this. see, just in terms of how the father component fits into all of this. Yeah, well, yeah, well, is the, or the fatherlessness. Or, yeah, we'd love you to speak to that, but also give some wisdom into this cultural moment. You yes, know, like yeah. when I was listening to you share. You talked about experiencing racism as a boy up in Bellevue. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. you want to share that story, but we'd love for you to speak into. Of course, we want to help parents raise kids who grow up with Jesus' heart for the world and heart for justice. I mean, if you look at the Bible, it's crystal clear in the book of Revelation. Yeah. Every tribe, tongue, people, and exactly. nation before the throne exactly. worshiping. We know in the New Testament it says there's neither Jew nor Greek or slave nor free nor male nor female. All are one in Christ. And we all know that's to be true. And you, you say, how in the world could we not treat? 
one another with with mutual love and respect. You know, and Miles McPherson, who's African American and pastor of the Rock, he's he's calling it the third option. The third option yeah. is let's do what Jesus said and love one another. Well, yeah. it's easy for me to receive that, but you, as an African American who've experienced this, and just give us some wisdom. And we want to do we we feel like you know we're, we we want to help parents raise kids with Jesus' heart yeah. for justice. Yeah. Anything that you want to share okay. in that whole realm about your personal experience, I think, Brooke, right, is what we're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then about your own family. Like, like I heard you say, your daughters, after the George George yeah. Floyd murder, yeah. came running in, Dad, when is this going to stop? Yes. So, Man, you know, talk to us. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I think, it, you know, just in terms of parents and, you know, kind of helping your children kind of navigate through this time, um, I think the first thing I have to say off the bat is that you know you don't wait to till a crisis to try to give the tools to be able to navigate. Yes, oh, that's good. You know you have the, you have to start equipping mm. from you know the Jump Street. You know, yeah. I remember uh, that was a story by D.L. Moody. Someone came to D.L. Moody and they asked him, you know, D.L. how old shit. Uh, my child be before I start to raise him and teach him how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And D.L. Moody asked him, well, how, how old is your child? And he said, well, my child is five. He said, well, you hurry home because you're already five years too late. <laughs> wow. So, you know, yeah. so, so, it's, so it's, I think it's a, it's a process that you have to, you have to start with, um, you know, just kind of right, right away. Um, when you think about, you know, the, the the treasures we have as believers mm. you know the treasure of jesus the treasure of the holy spirit the treasure of the scriptures mm -hmm. um god has given us you know enough for us to know how to navigate our lives now we may not change the whole political process although we will work to do that uh we may not we we, we may not be able to appease every uh uh faction in terms of how they view and how they see this and and we won't we won't be able to do that but one of the things that we can do is we can uh please jesus during this time now depending on what audience you're talking about you know when you start talking about the scripture in the bible for some people that's just totally inflammatory because mm -hmm. uh of the way that scripture has been used mm -hmm. in the past to mm -hmm. justify slavery to justify bigotry mm -hmm. to justify racism and so forth, but I think any believer or anyone that studies the Bible seriously knows that any such use of scripture like that is such a such a misrepresentation of the yes. Bible. Yeah. It's it, it's it's error. It's error. So I think for, for parents, we we have to start um, you know, from day one instilling in our in our kids' heart a desire and love for God and a desire and love for, for people. So they mm -hmm. understand that all people, all people are valuable. God yes. loves all people. Yes. God yeah. made all people mm -hmm. and people are different, right? So the <laughs> fact that there's, yeah. there's Jew, there's Gentile, there's bond, there's free. Well, those are all different categories of people, yeah. right? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're different categories of people, but what Christ has done, even with these different categories of people, uh, I was trying to start balling, but, but, what he, okay. but, but what he's done is he's made a wonderful new reality in him yes. for us to be able to participate in, even though we do have our differences. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that 
for parents, you know, you start to you start to teach mm. that, you know, you start to you start to you you model that, mm. you know, what what you say, what you speak, your conversations, you know, just sometimes, you know, things that we may just kind of say off the cuff, you know, well, that's a black person or oh, that's just a white person. Oh, they, you know, just I mean, the the mm. the verbiage that we use, all of that has an impact. And then, you know, we teach we teach the, you know, we teach the heart. And we try to communicate the heart of, of Jesus. And so I, I love the story that Diane was sharing earlier, just about her, you know, her granddaughter Sunday. And I think that's kinda kinda how it starts. I don't know if you want if you want to share yeah. that. Yeah, you should share that, Diane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just it was a moment that I think is now kind of embedded in Comer history. And I, as a storyteller grandma, want to make sure it stays embedded. We were um at home because of the COVID watching Mark Strong. Um, (laughs) his message at Bridgetown Church, and um, we happened to have all the older grandkids with us. So we had Jamarks three, Jude, and Moses, and Sunday, and then we had your Moser two, Duke, and Scarlett. And so we were all crowded around the dining room table and watching Mark's message, and I started to cry during his message because it seemed like one of those, those moments where Jesus was just sign, shining a light on something I had been blind to my entire life. And that is not really understanding the heartache and the grievous sins that have been done against African Americans. And then, um, Mark, you quoted the verse about um, Rachel weeping for her children and she would not be mm. comforted. And as a mom, I just felt the weight of of how you'll mm. never be comforted. This is this is just so um, sorrowful, lament, mm. and then you you kept telling stories, and we were listening, and you could see the kids were just tuned in to. They were not tuning anything out. They weren't thinking the way you were in church that day with your family. <laughs> they weren't thinking when is it over. Yeah, <laughs> they were just an, a remarkable absence of wiggliness, and they were so attentive because you told the story of a little boy and being called a name. Yeah. A derogatory name in reference to the color of your skin. So it the the um, message ended, and we prayed. And Jude, the firstborn of all of our grandkids, John Mark's oldest, blurted out Sunday. Uh, and I think first I asked Sunday, "Has anybody ever been mean to you because of the color of your skin?" And 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 she said. No, I I don't think so. So most of you probably know that Sunday has been adopted from Uganda. So, um, and she's our for Phil and I. She's our firstborn granddaughter, yeah. and she came to us just a few weeks before our second granddaughter, um, who's blonde and so white. She's pink skin, <laughs> and they're like the best of friends. Yeah. Really, yeah, the best of friends. Yeah. I mean, they're like sisters. Um, so, so she looked, Sunday looked a little mystified by the idea, but you know, she's really little. She's not asserted herself in the, the world. So she's just very, she loves school and does what she's supposed to do. So there's not been an occasion really for somebody to be mean to her. But Jude got this fierceness about him that I've seen just a few times. And he said, Sunday, if anybody ever talks to you like that, you tell me. <laughs> and then immediately Duke 
the firstborn in the Moser family yeah. spoke up and he said, and you tell me, Duke, <laughs> Jude, you make sure you tell me. <laughs> and then all of them started just rallying around. And, and I looked at it and thought, this is exactly what Jesus wants for his church, wants yeah. for all of his people. Her Sunday, somebody up. insults yeah. Sunday and she's insulted the whole Comer family. And I, I just hope and pray that she will always remember that moment. Of course, I will make sure I remind her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when somebody is hard on her or rude to her, mm. or she has this intuitive sense that she is being um, thought less of or treated less than, mm. that she'll remember that the Comer family, we stand with her. And maybe that's exactly what we want to, to figure out how to learn to teach parents. Yeah. Um, so that we raise a generation that isn't like me. I, I was 60, 61 years old when I sat down to that and listened to that message, and suddenly I saw the injustice that has been done for decades, hundreds of years, but actually is still going on today. I don't want some other 16, 61-year-old grandma to say, I didn't know that. And so... That's it's really yeah. become a passion of ours. Like now, how do we help parents not not be ignorant? Yes, yes, yeah. and and to that, how you know, I think that's a great question, and thank you for sharing that story, Diane, and, and thanks for reminding us of that story, Mark. That's important. Yeah, I think you know what happened that day. You know, in your home was you guys had a family conversation around race and around injustice. You know, it wasn't. You know, you know all the historical things, but the issue was brought to the table, and then the kids had a chance to kind of dialogue in mm. their own way about it. And it's just, you know, what's important is is like what what gets on the table, what gets on the table. So, um, I think you know helping our kids understand, you know, that all human beings, all human beings are mm. are valuable, and that. Uh, being valuable, sometimes it's important to know a little bit about them, right? Mm, <laughs> know, know a little yes, bit about them. Yes. Yeah. You know, so if you, you know, the, you look at the, the classic story of the Good Samaritan. So, you know, he's on the road to Jericho and, you know, these, these muggers, they basically, they, they take him out, they rob him, they beat him. And then, you know, you have the, the clergy, they go by, mm -hmm. they don't do anything, you know, and, a couple of people go by, but then there's a Samaritan, mm -hmm. you know, who walks by. And what the Samaritan does is he 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 kind of gets to, to help him. He has to kind of get an education, mm -hmm. right? What's yeah. wrong with this guy? What happened to him? Okay, has he got his money stolen? What else happened to him? He got hit upside the head. What else happens to him? He's tired. He's wore out. He's a place to rest. Let me get him to the innkeeper. Mm -hmm. But he, uh, you know, so Jesus says, you know, who was this guy's neighbor? He said the one that was the Samaritan. And so for the Samaritan to be that good neighbor, there had to be some kind of energy that he put in to learn about that person. And so there, there, hmm. there are simple books that, you know, you can find, like, you know, just on, you know, African-American, uh, you know, people in history, yeah. um, you know, whether it's a George Washington Carver or a, 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 a Harriet Tubman or just little simple kids books, you know, things you can put on, you know, you can, you can, you can pull a passage out of the scripture, you know, you look at the uh, uh, you know, Philip and the Ethiopian uh, eunuch, you yeah, know, yeah. or Moses' wife, or Simon who carried the cross. And I mean, there's things mm -hmm. that you can pull out to 
be able to have those conversations, you know, with, you know, mm. with your kids to make them aware just of what's, of what's going on. So they can be, I mean, you know, you, your kids, my kids, our kids are going to be, you know, the, the testimony of Jesus Christ in this world that we're living, that, that we're living in, you know, yeah. uh, first John one, I mean, John one, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with mm-hmm. God, the word was God, the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us for a while. So what Jesus did, you know, he came and, you know, yes. he embodied heaven. He embodied mm-hmm. the truth. And so we can help our kids to, you know, not that they're going to, you know, you know, have that uh, total embodiment like Jesus did, you yeah. know, but, you know, to, you know, but, but there will be those aspects that they're embracing him. They're embodying his truth. They're embodying mm-hmm. what heaven's supposed to look like and yeah. what heaven is supposed to be, you know, so. You know, one of the things that when we first started pastoring this church, I had a we were had we we had a joint service with another church on a Sunday night, and I just felt like I needed to go back to our church and spend some time in prayer before I went. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go drive back and just you know nobody's gonna be at the church. I can just spend a couple minutes with the Lord and then just introvert time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There you go. There you go. And then go to go to go to the service. So I go and I'm kneel at the altar, and I'm I'm a I'm praying, and I the Lord speaks to me, and he, he speaks to me about what he wants to do in our church. And then I heard these words. He said, Mark, this will not be an all-black church. This will not be an all-black church. Mm-hmm. And so hmm. prior to that, our church, even though there were a few whites in there, the church is predominantly black, right? So even before our neighborhood starts to change, even before whites start coming to our church, I'm preaching and teaching this is not an all-black church. This is not an all-black church. And some people got upset with me. You know, why are you saying that? Because what I wanted to do is I wanted to get, you know, God had got to my heart about it. Hmm. And so I wanted to get that to the hearts of the people. Yeah. yeah. You know, yes. so even though, you know, like, you know, face some some people live in a place where there's not a black population or, or, or a, a diverse population. You know, you can't do anything about that. That's just where you live. But even though that might be this, the place where you live, it doesn't mean that that's the kind of heart you have to live with, right? Yeah. Yes. So it doesn't matter where you are, the heart can still be a kingdom heart. The heart can still be a loving heart. Yes. The heart can still be a heart that embraces the, the, your neighbors and has love and respect for everybody, even though the population yes. may not may not may not be there, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that's so important. Yeah. Oh, I love what you're saying. So many good things here. Yeah. I know we probably got to wrap up soon, yeah. but you know, there's one other scripture I wanted to ask you about, you know, okay. so you're saying, you know, you could still have this heart and you can still, oh, and beautiful. obviously Jesus said to you, there's not going to be an all black church because yeah. my heart is for the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, you mentioned the good Samaritan and I was thinking, you know, it's the one who went and did something. Yes. He went over and actually saw he needs to have his wounds bandaged. He needs to have a bed to lay on. And instead of passing by, he steps into the conflict. So we've got a major conflict going on right now. People are stepping into it, and and uh, it, it's changing so rapidly. And I'm seeing people sp- step into it with your heart yeah. and your maturity and your love for the Lord, and, and your own kids are coming to you and asking, Dad, how do we navigate this season? And, and then you've got, you know, I mean, buildings being torn yeah. down and burned and, yeah. and the whole anarchist thing and, and of course God's ordained authority in Romans 13. I just I, I was thinking of the Old Testament verse which I think you know well in Micah 6, 8. Yeah. What does the Lord require of you? He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice. It right. doesn't just say 
believe in justice is do justice. Yes. So we mm-hmm. want our kids to know that they have a part. They the Good Samaritan went yeah. and did something. But but sometimes that it stops. And the next phrase says love mercy or love. One my Bible says love kindness. Right. Oh. So do justice, but love kindness. Yes. And to walk humbly with your God. So could you just speak into that? So give us some clarity. Like how do we teach our kids? to do, I think you can do the right thing the wrong way sometimes, and yeah. we want our kids to do the, the right thing the right way. Yeah. So I don't know, that, you talk. That's just, I, I've been thinking about that a lot, especially as I've been hearing, you know, everybody saying justice, 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 justice. And my, you know, sometimes I think, okay, well, what does that, what does that really look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what, 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 what do you yes. really, what do you really want? Now, obviously we know if there are some things that are systemically wrong or biased, that has to change. Um, if you know, if there's policies or practices that you know are detrimental to African Americans or different groups of people, that that needs to change. Yeah. But I think sometimes the cry for some of the cry that we that we have for justice is it is it really the justice that God is after? Because even that scripture mm. there, there's there, it, it's it's interesting because you know. Um, do justly, do justice, mm-hmm. but then also the same time you have to love mercy. Yeah. And so a lot of the conversation we hear today, there's justice, 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 but it's not interlaced with any mercy. No. Yeah. And I think the balance is it it, it, it kind of has to have the mercy. And I, so I think for our kids, we, we, we have to, we have the opportunity to teach them, listen, we have to do what's right we can we have the privilege to stand for what is right mm-hmm. but as you stand for what is right it's also important that your heart is filled with love yeah toward those that you're trying to impact mm-hmm. yeah. and those you're trying to change because you know i i <laughs> I, I just love the Bible. You know, I love the Bible. I, I don't know why well, I don't know another way to live, but I just, I don't know another way to do it. I just, yes. if, if the scripture says it, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's do what it. you got to do. It's just, yeah. it's the way, you know, that's what you got to live by, right? You know, there's it's the way you know, of life. Yeah. Way, way of life. And Jesus said, you know, hey, look, if, if I, uh, Paul says, you know, if I give my, if I speak in the tongue of men of angels, if I give my body to be burned, if I, if I, uh, I have faith to move mountains. If I give all my goods away and all this, and I don't have love, what am I doing? Wow. Yeah. And so, even as we even as we work to even as we work about for justice, there's got to be love there because if the love is the if if the love is not present, there can never be restorative relationship, hmm. right? Yeah. There can never be restorative relationship because yes. you're gonna pay, 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 pay. Or do 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 do, but then when when does when does relationship start yeah. to start to start yeah. to happen? Now, when you look at God, God is the the judge of the universe. He judges yeah. time and history, uh, every, everything that can be judges. He judges it, but at the same time, the the at the culmination of his judgment, yes, he, there's things he does, there's decisions he makes, there's choice, there's consequences. But at the end of his judgment, there is a consummation of relationship. Mm-hmm. It's relationship. And so yes. I think that that's an important piece that we've got to try to keep in our mind. You know, some people, get, they probably fry me for saying this. You know, they probably say this. But I think it's a piece you've got to keep in tension. 
Is it, is, there's there's got to yeah. be that paradox. There's got to be that tension that exists. It says, okay, we have to change this, but then at the same time, we've got to work for relationship. Let's address this, but yeah. let's work for relationship. And so a, a lot of what I'm hearing, even though it's not proper for me to say this, and I and I'm and I'm not I'm I'm not saying that we don't address the issues. Mark did not say that. Yeah. Mark did not say that there are uh, uh, not serious injustices have taken place. I didn't say that. But what I am saying is, as we work hard to rectify these issues, along with the justice, it has to be interlaced with mercy because ultimately, once things are taken care of, the relationship has to come. And the, 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 the other piece is this. If you have justice and you get justice with no kind of relationship, how will what you accomplished in that work for justice be continually exercised? It yes. won't yes. because the policy procedure is not going to hold it. So my, my, mm. ver- my, my relationship with my wife you know, we're legal, right? So, so if you go down to Multnomah County, you'll see Marla Crawley, Mark Strong. Okay, Marla Strong. Now we are legally, we're legally married. You know, we we go through our scrapes and our scraps and that kind of thing. But the reality of it is, it's not that it's not that paper that's on file with yeah. Multnomah County that keeps us, you know, after, after we go through 12 rounds of battle royal. That's not what keeps us together. But what keeps us together is there's still mm-hmm. mercy. There's still grace there. And then we're able to work those difficult things and the relationships continue, continues to be uh, formed and to be shaped. So I, I, I would beautiful. just say, wow. you know, parents, yes, teach your kids justice. Mm-hmm. Teach them to know what's right and what's wrong make it explicitly clear but then also teach them the value of people loving one another yes. and embracing god because ultimately uh that's what justice is going to bring about yes. right relationship oh my gosh wow. that, i don't want to jump that's out of my gold. seat man <laughs> that's a, no that. i just mean like that's i feel like you hit the nail on the head for what so many people want justice but with no love they're not doing any of it with love and it's destroying it's like you're wanting justice but you're creating injustice by the way you're handling more i just keep thinking of just that line in scripture it's the kindness of god that leads to repentance god didn't shame us into confessing our sins and following him it's his kindness that he that leads us to change and to sorrow over our own sin and to repentance and to turning the other way. But I, it's kindness first that leads to that, exactly what you're saying. And I, you're just speaking exactly to what I feel like I'm seeing just, I've had to like take a step back from social media because I feel like I can't get, the anger is just affecting me so much. And yet I want to do justice and I, I want to stay in the know. I want to know what's happening. I want to talk to my kids about it, but I'm seeing the lack of kindness and love and I it doesn't seem like it's producing fruit. And so I think you just put words to exactly what is happening in our cultural moment. And I just keep thinking of the way you were describing this is that we can't do justice. We can't talk to our kids about what's happening with everything racially right now and has been happening forever without this all comes from the gospel and our relationship with Jesus because it's all interconnected. We love people because we know Jesus and he loved people and we're receiving the love and grace that he loved from us. Like we can't separate 
Jesus and the gospel from anything racial or it's it's all mm, interconnected. Yeah. And he and you know, do we think that God is sitting in heaven shocked by this moment? I mean, <laughs> no. is, is, is what's is what's going on right now? Is this rocking his world? No, you know, it, it, I mean no. it's it's not. It, it, I mean it's not. And I mean the the, the gospel is totally applicable and gives an answer mm. and gives us a hope to be able to deal with this situation yes. that, we're, that we're living in right now. It may not be, like I said, what everybody wants. And I, and I think one of the things that, that I do want to say here, just to kind of take some pressure off parents, is that, golly, I mean, social media, <laughs> you turn, I mean, it's Just get it's off like, of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, touche, on guard, Miss C, on guard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you know, for whatever, yes. whatever side of the fence you're on. Yeah. So take the pressure off yourself from trying to fit into somebody else's idea of what you should do in mm. terms of how you should direct your heart and your actions during this time. That's good. You know, don't, don't, don't put that, don't put that on yourself. I mean, there's, there's some things that, yeah, they may be common for all of us, but listen, as, 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 as a believer, let the word of God impact your heart. Your mission, your mission may not be to go march on Washington. Your mission may be there's a little guy, there's a there's a little guy named John who lives two blocks from you, and God's got it in his mind. In about two months, you're gonna you're gonna cross his path at the, at the uh, Safeway store, and you guys are gonna have a conversation. And you're going to share with him about the love of God and have a heart for people and a heart for the kingdom and a heart to forgive or whatever. Listen, let 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 God show oh, you yes. how to oh, wow. let God show you how to uh, fulfill what he's supposed to do. I mean, come on, don't don't allow, you know, all these pressures to get on you in terms of how you should respond or what you should respond, whether whether you, whether you are black or whether you are white. Or whether you're Hispanic, there's pressure on all of us in terms of how whoever it is says we ought to be responding to this, right? But I just say as long as you long as you do justice, love mercy, <laughs> walk humbly <laughs> with your God, yes. and you you fulfill that to the the tenth degree, I mean you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be all right. And and what and what I've seen is like I I uh um so I did this one post on Facebook called uh, uh, "Pastoral Comments to white, the White Community," and so it got it got a little bit of traction. So I mean, there were some schools that that uh, that that played it, put it on their website, and I you know I got a couple responses back from it. I, uh, you know, people were saying you know thank you for this, this really helped me, uh, and so forth. I got one response back from the person that's like you know you got to be really naive. The guy goes, "You got to be really naive if you think a Bible story." is going to change somebody's mind from hundreds of years of oppression. You got to be crazy. And then another guy writes me back and he says, he says, uh, he says, I'm not going to bow. He says, you think I'm out? He goes, I'm going to only bow my knee to Jesus. I didn't talk about the post about bowing to anybody. He goes, I'm going to bow my knees to Jesus. Jesus, I will never bow my knee to a black man. I'm like, uh, I don't know what you're listening uh, to. But, uh, but this is, but this, but this is my, this is my point. My point is this. People hear stuff the way they want to hear it. Yeah. And everybody's heart is not in the same place. Sower goes out to sow a seed. 
Some falls on the wayside. Mm-hmm. Some falls on the stone, the thorns. Some falls, falls on the rocky ground. Some falls in a good heart. Yeah. As you live your life and as you do what God's called you to do in this season, this moment, what he's put inside of you, it's going to find the right hearts to fall on. But first, let's just make sure our hearts are right. And that, and that the gospel's yes. impacting us. Yes. And then, and then we're going to bring fruit. We're going to bring fruit yes. in those places that God wants us to, wants yes. us to bring fruit. Mark, you just taught a little Bible so, there. Yeah, so take, yeah, so take the pressure, you know, take the, pr- the pressure. We have responsibility. Pray, for sure pray. Yeah. But, you know, don't put that heavy, 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 heavy in yourself. Like, you got to respond the way that these persons are. Oh, this person that's such a gift that you just so gave good. so many people. I needed to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. so, Mark, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. This has oh, been such pleasure. a gift. We've we've loved having this conversation. Uh, one thing that I just want to ask you, um, you know, we've we've asked questions. We've talked about a lot of different things, but I just want to give you a few minutes as we close. Anything we didn't get to ask you or that we didn't think to ask you that you just want to uh, share with any of anyone listening right now? Yeah, I would just, I mean, I probably already said it about 50 times, but this, what, I, what I would say is this, you know, just walk close to yes. the Lord Jesus. You know, the Bible says, thou shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. I just want to encourage you to, you know, open up your heart, just love Jesus, and then don't, you know, just don't, Beat yourself up. You know, I'm just so aware of this, this pressure, this pressure, and just the the burden, you know, and, and just how sometimes we just we just we smack ourselves around. And I mean, I'm I'm so I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty of it. Let me just just this quick story here. If I can tell you, uh, so I'm praying. I always get these stories when I'm praying. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I'm praying one day. I'm praying. And I and I just feel like I feel like something's not right. And I'm like, God, have I sinned against you? So I'm starting to think, okay, God, maybe I ate too much peanut butter, and maybe, I, <laughs> maybe look, maybe maybe, maybe that I'm that guilty. extra. I, I crossed the line with that extra piece of German chocolate cake. So I'm sorry, God, forgive me for it. You know, forgive me. And so I'm. I mean, I'm ser- I'm searching. I'm searching my cupboards like crazy, trying to figure out how have I sinned. And and I mean, I didn't. And I so day day goes by, I couldn't figure anything out. So the next day, I feel the same thing again. I mean, you know when God's convicted mm-hmm. you and you feel, conv- you know, just the peace is not there. It's like mm-hmm. something's just not right. It's like, you know, trying to go to sleep and you got a rock under your pillow. It's like something's just not right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm praying about this, and the Lord speaks to my heart. And he says, Mark, he says, you come before me like you're an illegitimate child. You wow. come before me like, you know, well, the the actually I heard was like a bash. You come from like a bash. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not God. God doesn't swear, but <laughs> King James is yeah. so illegitimate yeah. child. So he says, and I'm like, well, what 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 does all that mean? Because what I was doing was I felt like I had to hmm. work or do something or beat myself up for that approval, right? Mm-hmm. And so the words of comfort and healing that he brought to my heart was. You are as Mark, you are as legitimate as you can ever be as my child, mm. not because of what you can do, but because of what my son did. You are totally 
100% legit. Wow. So knock that stuff off. <laughs> so 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 knock so knock it off. Yeah. So so uh, well, I just want to encourage encourage those listening that pressure that you're putting on yourself. Yeah, we, we can all grow and mature and you know become more Christ-like. But listen, in the essence of who you are and what you are, you have already been made acceptable in the heart hmm. of the beloved. So live and function out of that place, not out of a place that says, I got to make myself better to, to make God love me more and more mm. approval. And come, yeah. you know, no, function out of that place of acceptance of God and just love him. He loves you. And just, mm. uh, you know, enjoy your life. Yes. And enjoy, and enjoy what Jesus provided yes. for us. Yeah, we make it so hard, though. <laughs> yeah. um, I say, I make it so hard. <laughs> oh, we all, yeah. I can relate. That's Mark, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank anyway, you. Thank yeah. you for what you've deposited into us and anybody listening today. And and what a gift it is to uh, be able to follow along. Could you just uh, tell us really quick before we close out today, uh, what's the title of your book? Okay. You, um, got, you got a couple, I know. Yeah, but so, yeah. I, so I have a couple of them. So one is called Church for the Fatherless. Okay. And then another one's called uh, Divine Merger. And then uh, w- uh, what happens when Jesus collides with the community? And then uh, another one's called, uh, what is it called? The Blessing Maker. Uh, and then uh, I had an opportunity to write a book with uh, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson. Oh, who wonderful. Who did J-Bass. So me and him, we wrote a book together on forgiveness called The Forgiveness Factor. Oh, wonderful. Wow. Well, and you're writing, you're working on one right now. And I'm too. working on one right now. Yeah. Wonderful. And then you have the fathership ministry. Fathership. Yeah, we do the fathership ministry as well. Okay. We it, deal it, with fathers and uh, father. So our, our tagline is uh, revealing the father, healing the wounds. Hmm. So we just uh, share God as a father. And then we do things to try to help, you know, heal those been impacted by father wounds, uh, do things to help people from creating father wounds, uh, hmm. empower single moms. Yes. And uh, just the whole gamut. So yeah. how can people access some of your teachings and to go to Life Change oh, Church or what's the yeah. best way? So if you go to our website, lifechangechurch.org, um, you can find uh, our sermons there. Right now, our Fathership website is down. It's, it's under some reconstruction right now. We're doing a whole okay. revamp on that, but that should be up shortly. I love it. Well, we'll put all this in our show notes <laughs> okay. so if people missed it. Thank you for your deposit, your spirit-filled wisdom, yes. your godliness in your life. Thank you, Mark Strong. Oh, Thank my you. Pleasure. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit, and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org slash give, if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families. 